Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And joining us today is we're going to have some very special guests. We're going to have Brandon and Lou from The Sound Off. It's, yes, The Sound Off. It's a great podcast. It's locally. It's based here locally in San Antonio. And Brandon and Lou will be our, our special guest on today's episode. So how are you guys doing? Ah, doing well, Joe. Thanks for having us today. Yes, I second that. Yeah, I like having uh, guys that, you know, are based here locally in the San Antonio area and showcase, you know, exactly what you guys are doing. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about the sound off and what that's all about? Well, our sound off, you know, uh, we drop every Tuesday at 7 a.m. We've uh, we kind of started this is our second podcast together. Um, we had a third person that we uh, had a previous podcast with. We kind of wanted to feature more local businesses, local bands and kind of talk a little bit more, you know, local issues, governments, you know, you know. A lot of different issues going on politically and you know administratively from the new city manager to the getting ready for the mayor's race um but we we have so many guests we've had we, we've had former mayor garza on we've had um some great we had a great episode that just dropped today um as we tape on tuesday uh with the coffee cup um so we have we have a lot of fantastic uh a lot of fantastic guests a lot of great bands uh, a lot of great discussion amongst those people and we just try to bring the the local social change agents to the forefront on a podcast that they may not actually have a platform for. Oh, that's great. It's always good to give some love to everybody. Yeah, originally we wanted to be like a wrestling podcast or a baseball podcast, but we weren't sure if people wanted to hear just wrestling or just baseball. So we started to integrate everything else here. I know Brandon is a, is a huge fan of local politics. Being a, tr- a transplant Texan, you know, it's amazing to see someone from another city, from another state, from another like you know, culture altogether just be so invested in what we do here. So it was something we definitely had to capitalize on. Well, that's great. You know, it's always good to see exactly what other people's podcast and interests are. So I look forward to listening to, you know, all your podcasts and future episodes that will be coming out. And I'm sure once everybody starts to, you know, gravitate and starts listening to what the content you guys put out, you'll probably have more and more fans. So that's always good. It's always good to spread the love, you know, and support one another. That's that's what local podcasting is all about. Oh, absolutely. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and dive into our first segment of today's show. And that will be the Alliance of American Football, specifically the San Antonio Commanders. They had their This is their inaugural season. They had their debut last weekend. It was Saturday. And the attendance was, was respectable. They had 27,857 people braving the cold weather to come out and watch the San Antonio's com- San Antonio Commanders and the San Antonio Commanders actually beat San Diego the San Diego Fleet by a score of 15 to 6. By all respects, what did you guys think about the the performance, you know? What did you guys think about it? Did did you would you anything you liked? Did you dislike? We'll start with you, Brandon. Well, I can start first um, if you don't mind, Lou. Um, go ahead, man. You know, go ahead. Uh, I'm not. I'm not the biggest football fan. You know, it's been expressed many times. You know, I kind of fell off my <laughs> my football fandom probably about eight nine years ago, and when Tim Tebow signed with the Jets, and I just kind of gave up. Um, so you know, you know, I've always I've always been a fan of the Alamo Dome. I've always been, you know, you know, being a UTSA alumni. Um, I've been a fan. Of, you know, I've been to a few football games. Uh, I love the atmosphere the Alamo Dome brings. I think it is good for the city. 
Um, on the downside, um, you know, I am, I'm all about the major leagues. Um, you know, after talking with Lou for so long about the AAA baseball and what it's bringing to the city, you know, I'm convinced that it's pretty much major league or bust. And we've seen, you know, different incarnations that, you know, the USFL, we've had the USFL, we've had the World Football League, we've had, you know, the Arena Football League a few years ago with the talents. We've had so, so much here in San Antonio. And I feel that, you know, the first year or so, so much is to do about, oh, you got to go check out the new team, got to go check out the new team. And just like we saw with SAFC, the attendance starts to dwindle. And then people that say, hey, well, you know, it's not, it's not what you, it's not the MLS, or it's not what you see on TV. And I think, you know, for San Antonio being a, a city of 1.5 million people, I think we deserve better. But obviously, due to constraints of, you know, uh, Jerry Jones and the owners with the, uh, the Houston Texans, this may be all we have right now. And I think that's something that, you know, I think we should, you know, accept it um, and just kind of really, you know, go forward with it, you know, and kind of see where it goes from there. Oh, yeah, no, I agree with you on that because, you know, the, uh, the attendance was a great show for the city. You know, horrible weather. You know, they just got done with the Super Bowl. Uh, what I'm hoping is that the Super Bowl put a lot of uh, bad taste in people's mouth. And they're like, you know what? I can go see this, and I'm going to get a better game than a 13-3 championship game. But that was an all-defense game uh, by the accounts of everyone that I've heard from. Uh, but uh, the thing that I'm scared about with the, com- uh, with the commanders is, you know, it's like what Brandon mentioned earlier, you know, the initial game will draw a lot of attention. And then when you get to the next game, you know, that just drops significantly. I, I don't want that to happen to the commanders, but uh, with the city, you know, with, with the need that we want for professional sports, you know, I believe that may happen, but, you know, they could turn it around. They could change something. They could do something different. Uh, the thing that I liked but didn't like was they didn't, they didn't uh, advertise as much. You didn't see it pushed in your face, but at the same time, I think that it held them back because there was people like even Friday night were like, there's a game tomorrow. We have a football team, like not knowing what's going on. So, you know, they've got to fix that if they don't want that to happen. But, you know, but of course, time will tell. We have to give them more than one game. You know, they have another game this Saturday. We just have to give them more time. And we'll see, uh, you know, how the AAF fares in the city. Yeah, well, my my first thoughts, my, my final impressions after watching the first game, and it was a nationally syndicated game. It came out on CBS, which I thought was great. Oh, yeah. You know, it showcased the, the city, showcased the, the league. And I have to tell you, I like that the AAF brought football back. We had some hard hits. We didn't have the flag being thrown out every five or ten minutes to slow the game down. Oh, yeah. I, I like the pace. You know, I like the hits. I like the that we had old school football <laughs> on display. And one of the other things that I liked, I like the league's transparency. You know, you had a lot of behind the scenes. You had the refs mic'd up. You could hear them talking. You even had one thing which is sorely missed in the NFL that the AAF, I think, did a very outstanding job on. It was the replay booth. You could actually see what was going on, the thought process of what was happening in the replay booth. That was amazing. You know, those things coupled with the overall aesthetic of the game, I think it was really well done. I mean, it was better than watching a gunslinger's game or a talons game, you know, (laughs) I mean, it was it was just it just had a more polish, you know, to to me. And anyway, the oh, only yeah, faux pas definitely. that I had, and I'm pretty sure if you went, you, you're probably going to have the same gripe. It was the beer. You have to wait in line and miss a whole quarter of action because you're waiting in line for a beer. The Alamo Dome keeps on doing this type of thing. They they understaff for big events. Oh, we didn't, you know, forecast this many people coming. You know, that that's that excuse gets a little old after a while. If you know you're going to have a sporting event 
if you know you're going to have a concert, you would think that overstaffing is better than understaffing. So I'm hope, hopeful that the next game, which will be on Sunday, will probably have, I guess, a, a more people working the beer booths because that's one thing that can be a real deal killer, especially for people who are trying to get up for this game. And you I mean, come on, when you watch a sporting event, you're going to drink some beer. And if you have to wait that long, it might not make you want to come back. You know, that was my only gripe. So, I mean, it was good. Oh, I absolutely agree with you on that point, Joe. Yeah, it was good. You know, good, good, good debut. I just want to see the fans come out and keep supporting the team. You know, the San, San Antonio fans here, they complain all the time that they don't have, you know, a, another pro sports league here. Well, you got to come out and you got to really get behind the teams you have right now as far as like, you know, we have a baseball team. We had the missions we have the San Antonio FC. Now we have the San Antonio Commanders. You need to get behind these teams if you really want, you know, another professional sports franchise to come to San Antonio. I think we're ready. I think we still need some work as far as our infrastructure goes, but we're we're getting there. Yeah, that that's correct. That's you know, I completely I completely agree with you on that. I just you know, one of the other. Um, complaints I have about this is, you know, obviously you mentioned, you know, and I saw, and I saw the replays and I saw some of the stuff on Twitter and Facebook about, you know, going inside the, the booth and seeing the refs and see, I saw that hard hit on the quarterback and I was like, wow, that's oh, yeah. really cool. But my biggest gripe is, you know, we have this league now. And then, you know, obviously, you know, it's been in the news, you know, Vince McMahon, we started the XFL. So now, and that's going to start at a similar time next year. So, you know, we're going to have two different leagues, running for that same demographic and, and people say, Oh, pe people love football. You know, you can't get burnt out on football. Eventually you're going to burn out the market and you're going to burn out the fans. Cause only so many people are going to want to stay home on a Saturday night to watch any football, you know, and that's my biggest thing. That's what I'm worried about for the, for the sustainability, not only of San Antonio com uh, commanders, but also of the AAF and then the XFL, you know, aforementioned, you know, no, uh, Brenda, were you saying that, uh, that football fans are a condition for Saturday nights? Well, you know, they have college football, but I just feel like, you know, you have the college football, then you have that kind of, that kind of bleeds into with NFL. But then as soon as the mm -hmm. Super Bowl's over, you see this big week. And then like you had mentioned, you know, maybe they were still on that disappointment from the Super Bowl. And then it's all like, okay, well, let's see how it is in four or five weeks. But then next year you're going to have college football, regular NFL. Then you're going to have the AAF, then the XFL. And you're going to have probably about nine months a year of just straight football. And eventually it can be, a, it can be a burnout, you know, especially when you have multi-sport fans, like the people who are into baseball, basketball, you know, hockey. And then it just becomes maybe too much too soon with too many companies. I can see that, you know, and you had mentioned the XFL, which is going to kind of be a segue to our next segment. You know, the XFL had its time. It didn't quite materialize the way people had envisioned. But now they're going, going to have a second go at it. And hopefully this time they can cure all the shortcomings, you know, from a failure. Because you have to have failures in order to have success. So I'm hopeful that this second go around will put out a better product. But speaking of, you know, getting into the Vince McMahon talk and the WWE and wrestling talk, there's a new newcomer to the sports world. AEW Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling. It was an announcement that came out, I believe it was on January 1st, 2019. Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, and Adam Page announced the formation of a new, you know, a new wrestling league called All Elite Wrestling. Now, the question is, 
is this going to be a viable threat to the WWE? Uh, you can all, either one of you can jump in here. I just wanted to see what you guys thought about this. Now, as far as being a viable threat, uh, I'm sure that they don't see them as like competition, but at the same time, I know that they're scared, right? They're starting to sign uh, indie talent, just to sign indie talent. Yeah, sometimes they'll use them, sometimes they'll just have them on the payroll so that no one else can get them. It's a dirty tactic, but I, I know they know about them. I know, I know they care. Uh, you know, when Chris Jericho was announced to be part of AEW, they took him off their Raw intro montage, their WWE montage. They took him off the next week. He was gone. Like, they replaced him with Cesaro. Like, with some, someone like that, they just took him off. Like, Chris Jericho doesn't exist anymore. So they're paying attention. They know. Uh, but as, as far as, you know, feeling big stadiums, like, you know, I don't know if they're going to have a huge stadium show. Like, you know, like they had Royal Rumble at Chase Field, you know, like at WrestleMania come up. I don't know if they're going to have shows like that. But they, they went from uh, the Sears Center in Chicago now to the MGM Grand, which they sold out their pre-sale tickets in about 25 minutes yesterday, and they released the rest today. I'm sure those are gone, too. So they're doing well. I know they're, they're getting attention. I know P&A ROH is definitely paying attention. I know ROH has to be feeling a little stung, being that they, uh, they helped out so much with getting all in together. But it, it's just, uh, you know, as far as uh, you know, being a, a viable contender, you know, that don't need more time, but I'm, I'm sure uh, their first show on May 25th will be amazing. You know, I'm, I'm not expecting anything less from those guys. And on my end, you know, I think it's, you know, if it was, if this was 15, 20 years ago when TNA really first came back out and then they got their big deal on Fox Sports, you know, Fox Sports Net. And, you know, you know, the ratings were better for WWE at that time. But like, okay, you know, not too much for competition. And, you know, what I'm thinking now is, you know, the house show business is always going to be WWE's main point. They're going to sell merch. They're going to sell, they're going to sell three, three or six shows a, a weekend, depending on a brand split or not. But the biggest thing on, on that end is going to be the TV ratings. We've seen the TV ratings at some of the lowest in the history of Raw. We see low twos, two, yep. 212s, 220s. That's what I'd be worried about. I'd be worried about the market that the AEW can get. Obviously, they're, they're going to probably be smart. They're not going to go on a Monday night. Obviously, you want to come. Oh, no, not at all. Ratings. But they're going to get a major television. They're going to get a TBS. They're going to get a TNT. They're going to get an A&E. They're going to find something. An A&E television, AEW, it's, it's, it's marketing genius right there. It's, <laughs> it's going to be something. It's going to be a big network. That's going to be like, wow. If they're, and they, they could start drawing 1.5s, 1.75s, 1.9s within the first month or two. Then WWE is really going to start to panic. Not in the house show business. And not obviously of the pay-per-view of the network because that's, you know, that's money that it's almost guaranteed. But the actual television ratings. That's what I'd be scared about the most because they have a contract, you know, they just, they did the contract with Fox, you know, and then like, oh, hey, no, we're on Fox now. We're going to be big. But if, um, if AW really puts that foot in and says, hey, guys, we're drawing almost twos on a Wednesday night, you know, the, the market isn't oversaturated. You know, it's not like going back to the, the football talk. People want this. People want to see wrestling. And if, if we won a Wednesday night and we're scoring almost a two after, say, a Sunday preview on Monday Raw and a Tuesday SmackDown, then I would be worried. Well, remember, for All In, they had the pre-show was on WGN, so that could be a viable option for them to look at again. I'm unsure how the pre-show did on WGN ratings-wise, but you know it was a, a huge step up compared to like what TNA has or the syndication the ROH uses. So th- this could be a, a you know something they could definitely look into. And I, and I know that Friday move to Fox has affected other uh, other uh, federations. Uh, MLW moved their Fusion show from Friday; they're going to move it to Saturday. Just because you know they they know that Fox is going to take up uh, you know all the viewership that they can, 
you know, you know, WWE is going to Fox. They know it has to be bigger and better. They just can't throw whatever out there. You know, Fox will have control. So we're going to see huge roster changes as well as we get closer to that, uh, you know, Friday Fox uh, SmackDown shows. But, uh, yeah, but like we were talking about, like, the oversaturation of this, like, that doesn't exist with wrestling because it hasn't existed for a long time. Sure, there's a ton of indies, but, you know, there's not many indies you can watch on TV now, right? TNA is hard to find, right? ROH, you can find, like, two or three times uh, a weekend. So, you know, that's that's not a problem. But then with WWE, it takes up such a large chunk of time of the week that, you know, sometimes you're like, I can miss it. And if I see it next week, you know, I'm going to get the same story. But with uh, All Elite Wrestling, you feel that if I miss something, I'm going to miss something big, right? They don't do anything small. They always do everything big. Everything, you know, has meaning, you know, opposed to the WWE who can just throw away a segment or, you know, erase history one week later and just be like, nah, that's not what we want us to do. We'll do something different. You know, I don't think AEW is going to do that. I know one of their, their biggest goals is, you know, not to insult the fans and, you know, make everything matter more, which is uh, something WWE, you know, tends to waver on from time to time, unfortunately. Yeah, because one thing that I've noticed about both leagues is they're they're quite different. You know, as you were stating from the AEW, you like to do things big. They do it in a big way. And the WWE is more quantity over quality you know they're very easily mm-hmm. accessible if you missed uh, the show you can easily go to hulu and rewatch. you know monday night raw or, or check out smackdown or next you know and you can you can find these shows and you can replay them fairly fairly easily from any mobile device or you know anywhere on the internet and however aew is like you said it's a little bit more indie and i think that makes it a little bit more appealing you know because people are really wanting to see what's coming out and they value quality over quantity and i think i like that competition because i think in the grand scheme of things that's going to make the wwe put out a better product because it's gotten a little stagnant over the years when i really watched wrestling i was a kid i was in the 80s and i I watched all the greats you know and i really loved watching wrestling at that point in time and then as i got older transitioned into the 90s and here comes the rock and stone cold and shane o'mac you know (laughs) And it was fun, you know, watching all these guys and all these personalities. And it was, it was, as you were thoroughly entertained, should I say. Nowadays, it's lacking a little bit. Everybody's kind of run the same shtick over and over. You're seeing the same thing happening over and over. One thing that I'd like to see, why don't they just have John Cena just turn heel, you know, and become the villain? <laughs> Do something different, man. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's. The same thing over and over, and I think that's what what fans get a little bit upset with. You know, it gets it becomes stagnant. There's no originality anymore. Do something a little bit different. You know, I remember watching uh, when they had like two levels. You know, when they had a a cage match. You know, or they they had the the wrestlers. What was it like in encased in this plexiglass, and then all of a sudden, after a certain time, they'd let them out. Remember <laughs> these pay per view events they would have, and they would go at it. So, I mean, the, things like that were kind of, you know, the things that I miss, you know, the, the tables, ladders and chairs matches from back in the day. You know, those were really, really good. You know, watching Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys and you had the Dudley brothers. You had all your best out there going at it and just laying waste to each other. And it was you. That was interesting. It was it's a lot of fun, you know, and I, I'm missing that. I haven't really seen that out of the, the WWE anymore. And it's kind of a shame, though. You know, San Antonio is a big WWE or should I say big wrestling market. 
the fans love them some some wrestling here in San Antonio. So you just want to see a better product. And what did you what have you thought about the WWE in recent years? Hasn't it gotten a little stagnant? That though, right now the way they're uh, the way they seem to be running everything, like they're making everybody like like all the wrestlers have to look alike. Like there's no uh, variety in what the wrestlers look like, other than of course hair or tattoos. But as far as body forms go, they're like oh you have to be a chiseled Adonis, get out there. So everyone looks exactly the same. So you're like who do I cheer for? Who do I root for? And, and then, then uh, on my uh, okay. So on my end, I feel that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm kind of the stickler. I'm kind of an anti-attitude era. Why, you know, you had great storylines. Yeah. <laughs> you, you had great shot TV. You had great characters, some of the best characters of all time. Obviously, like you mentioned, The Rock, Stone Cold, Shane O'Mac, you know, Vince McMahon. You had so many great characters. The wrestling was awful. You know, you, you know the, long, the long wrestling matches you would have, um, if you're a wrestling fan and you, want, you come in and watch the wrestling, you know what? You're not. You weren't gonna get. Nobody wanted to see Ken Shamrock and Billy Gunn for 15 minutes. Nobody wanted to see that. Now you have such such more a, a wide array of talent, and these matches work so much more. But like going back to what you both mentioned, the snag, the segments in in the in the storyline process. You know, the, the, you you put somebody out there for a 15, 20 minute match, and there's no storyline. Then it's like, okay, well, where's the emotion? Where's the storytelling? And that's what wrestling lacks. I, you know, I'm you know. I'm okay with the characters. I think, you know, I'll, I'll be a negative to what you said. You know, the, the, granted, they all look alike. It's, that's the sport it is. It's like UFC. It's like boxing. A lot of people look exactly the same. But I want to see compelling storylines and great matches. You know, the attitude have compelling storylines and not the best matches. Now it's not, great, great matches, not the best storylines. You know, if we can kind of get back to how they were in 2004 to 2007 of the ruthless aggression where you had really good storylines and de- pretty decent matches, I'd go for that, but you know, it just, it's just probably not going to happen. They own their own network. They pretty much they all, they, you know, they have the the wrestling business by the balls, and that's one of those things where it's probably gonna it's probably gonna stay stagnant until somebody can really creep up on them. So my goal for you know AEW is blow smoke up. Let's get the competition going, like you said, Joe. Let's get the competition. Competition's good for everybody. We're not gonna get another Monday Night Wars, but let's get something to where you can make WWE really say, wow, these guys are really have some really talented people behind the, behind the scenes. They have some great wrestlers. Let's see what we can do to combat that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that may be what makes, like, NXT so appealing now, is that you see Raw and SmackDown, actually more Raw, SmackDown is getting a lot better. But you see Raw, you're like, okay, this is three hours of, of, uh, of breaks. Uh, I can miss this. But when you see, like, an NXT or NXT UK, right, they have their built-in indie, like, they have their built-in competition. You're like, oh, check out this indie. It's WWE owned, but it's still, you know, it's a completely different style from what you used to see on Mondays and, and, and Tuesdays. So, you know, they've got that going for them. But I, but I still do believe that AEW is on their radar. They're, they're paying attention. I don't know how they see him as a, as a as, like I said, as a competitor yet. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that first show goes. You know, we'll see how that second show goes. And, and once again, it all depends on that TV deal. Just like you were saying, Brandon, the TV matters. TV is huge. Yeah, I was going to say one of the, the storylines that I really liked from the WWE from back in the day that it was really funny, though, was Al Snow and the Big Boss Man. I mean, to me, that was humorous. I don't know if you ever saw that. He uh, he had a dog named Pepper, <laughs> and it was quite funny. You know, they had a shot where the dog Pepper, I believe Al Snow's dog died, and he buried him in a pet cemetery, and then you have the Big Boss Man going over there, and they show a shot of him, and he's peeing on Pepper's grave. I mean, it's just... Silly, ridiculous, outrageous stuff that really was, I guess, entertaining as far as, 
you know, back in the 90s and, and early 2000s for the WWE. That that storylines is what we're really missing, you know. The the talent is better, I'm I'm not going to lie, but it's a storyline. You know, the the persona, the 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 acting, you know, you had this charisma, you had these larger than life characters. You know, and I think that's what we we kind of want to see again, you know, these storylines, get these people really fired up and going. That's entertaining, you know. That's what people want. So, hopefully that'll that'll come to fruition. You know, competition's good for everyone. So we're looking towards the future, and hopefully the WWE will be forced to put out a better product, and AEW will show us what they can do. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Oh, absolutely. So we're going to talk about something else that I'm, I'm not too excited about, <laughs> and that is the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, yeah. So now we're segueing into our last segment. <laughs> San Antonio Spurs are on a four-game losing streak. And tonight they're going to be facing the Memphis Grizzlies, and they're probably going to be without. Uh, I don't know at, at tip time. I'm I'm hearing that Rudy Gay is a possibility. He's probable. So there's no definite answer at this point in time that I that I can see at the at this time of the recording that he's going to play. If he doesn't play, it's going to be tough for the Spurs to win this game. So de- defense has been a staple for the San Antonio Spurs. And excellence has been a staple for the San Antonio Spurs over the course of the last 20 years. Unfortunately for Spurs fans, the Spurs were forced to make a trade. And they had to let Kawhi Leonard go and they traded him for DeMar DeRozan and Yaka Portal. A casualty in all this was Danny Green. So when you have two of your best defenders leave the team and then you let another of your best defenders leave in free agency and, and Kyle Anderson, you really have no wing defenders. So the issue with the San Antonio Spurs this season has been the defense. And I'd say it has to do everything. It has everything to do with wing defense. They don't have any wing defenders. So the Spurs get beat on the perimeter. The Spurs get beat in the paint. They're getting beat in every way that you can get beaten because they just can't stop teams. They don't have a problem scoring. It's just that they can't, they can't stop teams from scoring on them. You know, they get into the shootouts and, Unfortunately, you just hope that the other team misses and that you can keep making your shots. That's that's the type of ball they're playing, and I don't see it getting any better. They play horrible on the road. They play better at home. So that trend is going to continue. Spurs fans are upset. They're not used to this, and you have two sets of Spurs fans is what I call it. You have the fans that are kind of the old school fans, kind of like me. You know, We're of a certain age, and we were with the team pre-Tim Duncan, and then you have the millennials, the ones that are <laughs> fans of the Spurs after the Tim Duncan era, where they were winning, where they were going to the, the NBA finals and they were getting, you know, they're putting up NBA championships every other year. And now they're like, well, what's wrong with the Spurs? The NBA comes in cycles. The Spurs are kind of in a rebuilding mode right now. And bearing any type of, you know, spectacular traits, which went and came when, to no fanfare, the Spurs, the Spurs stand, stood pat and made no changes to get better. This is the product that we're, we're left with. And for better or for worse, we're going to have to write this one out. So let me ask you guys something with all that said. Do you think that the Spurs will, in fact, make the playoffs this season? Before the road trip, I was definitely going to say, yes, they were looking great. They were making uh, the changes they needed to make. I know Skip Bayless made that comment, I believe, in November that we were the worst team in the league, even though Phoenix and New York existed. 
he still said they're the worst team in the NBA. They've lost three games by like 30 points. You know, they just look miserable. And then after that, their December was amazing. We lost those three games, right? The Chicago game, we shouldn't have lost. The Rockets game, we should have been more competitive. We should have lost that one. And then, you know, January was the same, right? We had shootouts with OKC. You know, we lost, I think we lost five games. But, you know, even then, you know, huge improvement compared to what we saw to start the season in November. And then I would hit this road trip, or even, even the, the, the week before the road trip, the game against Phoenix, the game against Brooklyn, the game against New Orleans, you know, they still look shaky, right? I still believe we should have lost that Phoenix game, and we had no business letting New Orleans back in that game. But the defense, like you said, just wasn't there, right? The Pelicans jumped right in there and just tore us, tore us to pieces in four minutes. They did more work in four minutes than they had the previous three quarters and some change. And then I just you're watching us now, like, like you said earlier, Joe, we can score. We definitely can score. But when we don't score, you know, we don't play any defense. And that's what's killing us, right? If we don't score, we know we're going to go back to the other side of the court. And the defense will be very lackluster. Like you mentioned, we know we lost Kawhi's defense. We lost Danny's defense. We lost Slomo's defense. You know, DeJounte's defense, we're not going to get till next year. So, right, that's four guys right there that, you know, we, we can't use, you know, either one of those. And if Rudy Gay is out, Rudy Gay is a, is a huge fire starter for this team. When Rudy Gay is out on the court, I'm not as confident with the team. You know, we've got DeMar out there. We've got L.A. out there. But without Rudy Gay, right, Rudy Gay just adds that, you know, that intangible that this team needs. And, uh, you know, it, it does make it pretty hard. You know, I know Memphis isn't as great as they should be, right? They traded away Marcus All, but they're still going to, you know, they, they're not going to stop playing. Memphis uh, is also in that rebuilding phase as well, which is a bummer to see because they started out, you know, looking like a team that could could make some changes and make something new. You know, Mike Conley was was feeling great. Uh, Marcus Gasol was great, but you know they hit a they hit a hard spot. But they're not ready to start over with Mike Conley. They're going to keep him. He's still the centerpiece of their franchise. But you know Gasol, like, all right, we can do this. And I think they got good pieces from Toronto in that trade also. So I don't think they're complaining about that. And plus they've got Jaron Jackson Jr. who will do amazing things to that franchise. Yeah, he's been a surprise. I like Jaron Jackson Jr. He plays a lot better than his dad did. His dad was a a very streaky shooter, and he helped the Spurs and you know their their championship run so it's a good it's good to see that things come full circle oh yeah you know and it's like wow this kid has a bright future in the league and i'm sure his dad is, is very proud of him you can see that mm-hmm. in his face when he's always talking about his son and they show him in the you know in the in the in the stands and he's oh, watching yeah. the game he's beaming with you know nothing but pride and it's really good to see that oh definitely definitely brando how do you feel man well, you know, I mentioned and I, I got smacked from this from from Alou when we did our little preseason uh, NBA talk. I said at the beginning <laughs> of the season, and I, I hate to say it, I'm looking right, but I, I said 39 and 43. I, I knew, you know, that Kawhi and the Danny thing was going to hurt us, like you mentioned, Joe, uh, you know, get rid of Danny Green and Kawhi. You know, uh, I really don't want to see Danny Green go, but he was a casualty, you know, uh, of the trade and, and the NBA, you know, money cap and the salary cap. So I was like, you know what? 39-43, not a bad season. After looking at how stacked the Western Conference is, and even looking at it now, because you have so you have so much so, so much stuff that's going on, especially in the Eastern Conference, that you're like, wow, I didn't expect the Warriors to be this far down. I didn't expect Houston to be this good, and you know, uh, there's so many good teams, and especially on the East on on, on the Eastern Conference. So I was like, you know, this is going to be one of those seasons where take take the 39-43, you know, get the you know. 12, 13, 14 pick, and see what happens from there. Um, 
I still think it's going to be 39-43. I hate to say that. You know, I want to see the Spurs win. I want to see the Spurs go far in the playoffs. But sometimes you got to cut bait. Sometimes, you, got, you know, with Marcus Soldiers, he did. He, he was. A, he had that team on his back at the beginning of the, the beginning part of the season. You know, Paul Gasol wanted. To, he, he mentioned he wanted to get traded. He came up to the to management. He wanted to go. Something maybe it's the writing on the wall. Maybe it's like you know what this this isn't this may not be the team that you know. And what's going to all pop? Is this going to be pop's last season? Does he have another season left? He's still got the USA, the Team USA thing coming up in 2020. Is he going to try to focus on that? There's so much stuff going on this year. This is like the perfect transition year. But the Spurs are so good that it can't be a transitional year because of the past 30 years of, of David Robinson and Timmy Duncan and Manu and Tony. All those guys are gone. We should be in a transition form, but yet we have Lamarcus Holders, who's a really good player, you know, you know, and, and we got Dejounte Murray, who, who's going to be the, the the franchise guy going forward. You know, Derek White did really did exceed expectations. And oh, definitely. It should have been a, it should have been a transitional year. So thirty nine forty three. You know, you're not going to be like the Knicks and you know go twenty and forty wherever they're at now, twenty and forty six or whatever they are. You're not going to go that bad to be the worst team in the league because you, you know, but cause you, like I tell you all the time and tell people on Twitter, you don't need the number one pick in the draft. You know, you, no, see, where, uh, you, see, what Gian, you see where Giannis was, you see where Kawhi was, you see where, you know, um, you know, Porzingis, you know, he was taking like the third or fourth pick. You don't need the first two, three, four picks in the draft anymore. It's just like football. Sometimes you get a stud in the, in the, in the late first round. This year and last year, you had so many good second rounders come out of the draft who made an impact. That's what you need to be looking for. The Spurs are great drafters. I would just, just let it be. You know, I still say 39 and 43, but if they get in the playoffs, I'll be, I'll, I would say they exceeded expectations. Yeah, and we talked about that. Uh, remember, we talked about uh, the number one draft pick for the Cavaliers like a few years ago. It was before Anthony Wiggins because, you know, they've had it so often between that, those LeBron years. And we were trying, we were racking our brains. Who was that pick? Who was that pick? And, and actually, that's still a question. I'm sure Cleveland's still asking us that question. Who was the number one draft pick we got, right? Was Anthony Bennett, right? He didn't pan out at all. So, you know, like you mentioned, number one doesn't mean you're going to get the best. You're going to get the, the name shouted the loudest, but you're not going to get, like, the best guy. So, you know, and the Spurs are great with finding great talents, right? Uh, since, we, you know, we, you know we, since we've been great, you know, all of our draft picks have been, like, 28, 29. You know, they're, they're always, you know, high picks. You know, we got Tony in that. We got Manu in that. So, you know, there, there is, you know, magic that the, the Spurs can work. You know, I trust the front office. You know, they, you know, didn't do anything in the trade deadline, but I never counted them to do anything in the trade deadline. I, I'm trying, I was wrecking my brain walking back and forth trying to figure out when's the last time we made a trade deadline trade. And the, the one that only comes to mind is like Malik Rose for Nazi Mohammed in 2005. That's, that's as far back as I can go. I can't think of anything sooner than that. I'm like, nope, it doesn't come up because, you know, they very rarely do that. You know, they, they, they you know, like, you, like Joe mentioned, they stick to their guns and, and they go with what they have. So, you know, I didn't expect them to do much, especially like you mentioned, Brenda, with the salary cap issues. And, you know, who, who do you move? Who, who's viable? Right now, everyone wanted like DeJounte, Patty, you know, and Paul that were just putting all of them all together. And like, oh, why not build them more in there? And I was just like, ooh, okay. Okay, we'll see what happens. But, you know, we'll never know. You know, we'll wait to see what happens this offseason also. But, you know, I'm still going to stand pat that we'll, that we'll make the playoffs. But if they don't, it won't, like, uh, it won't be a deal breaker. But just like you mentioned, Joe, those millennial fans that, you know, they're used to the hey, they, you know, now they're wearing their Warriors jerseys and they got their Lakers jersey on now or their Rockets jersey, which they shouldn't be wearing as, you know, as proudly because the Rockets are, you know, sadly and weirdly in the same boat as us. But it's, uh, you know, like I said, game of cycles. And uh, 
we're at the at the very low end. You know, our cycle is a huge cycle compared to like the Cavaliers, compared to like the Rockets or the Lakers. You know, you know, ours takes thirty years for this to happen, which you know I'm perfectly fine with. Yeah, and yeah, we'll just have to see how this season pans out. I picked the Spurs to go, you know, win forty five games and possibly just limp into the playoffs, and I'm I'm really thinking that's going more than likely it's going to happen. So. We'll just uh, wait and see, support the team, and we'll hope for the best. And if you have the the candles, prenda las velas, man. Light those candles up, dude, because they need all the, the luck that they can get, man. So I know that uh, my friend Chris Duell, he's going to be lighting his St. Gregory of Popovich candle probably tonight, you know, before the game. So that'll be fun to watch. But before we go ahead and end this episode of the Two Shots podcast, where can the people find your podcast and see all the great content that you guys release? We are or on, on social media. Oh, you, take it, Brent. I'll let you take it, man. We're on Twitter and Instagram at SBL Podcast. We're on Facebook at The Sound Off Essay. Just going, you know, going to your search bar in uh, Facebook. You know, search The Sound Off with Brendan Lou or Sound Off Essay. Uh, we also want, um, you know, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on um, uh, Castbox. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on TuneIn Radio. TuneIn Radio. On all these different platforms, you know, we want to thank everybody who listens to the show. Come check us out. We want to thank you in advance. We are we are San Antonio's number one local podcast for a reason, and that's for everybody like you try to come over and listen to us. And we want to thank you, Joe, for letting us come on board. Um, if you, oh, if you know anybody, yeah. anybody out there who's a, a local business owner, you know, they want to come talk about their local nonprofit, their local business, you know, their local band, an artist, anything, reach out to us at info at the sblpodcast.com. Oh, yeah, we definitely welcome all change agents. Like you were mentioning earlier about the podcast community, you know, uh, we realized that all of, all of our business owners, all of the artists, all the musicians of San Antonio, they're also community. And we want, you know, we want all of San Antonio to, you know, to, to hear from this community that they may not be aware of. You know, it may be a, a section of town they don't regularly check out. Who knows? Maybe we can change that. You know, I know Brendan was mentioning yesterday, you know, if we can get like one or two voters to vote, you know, this cycle. We've done our job, you know, we've been getting like one or two people to different parts of town, like people who don't like to go to South Town. All right, check it out. You know, they'll fall in love with it. You know, that's the thing we want everything to happen. You know, we want everyone to fall in love with San Antonio. Right? See another part of it. You know, just because you live in like Alamo Ranch doesn't mean, you know, downtown isn't appealing. Check out downtown. You know, you'll find something you'll love. And that's the biggest thing we want to do. We want to promote the city. Right? We love this place. Joe, we know you do too. Yeah, I do love San Antonio and it's changed a lot downtown. So you haven't been there get out go check out the south 10 area go check out the pearl enjoy all the great events and the live music san antonio is becoming a very viable live music scene now it's not just austin we have a, a great music scene here in san antonio and we also have a great artist community so go out check out the mural support your local artist and and go out and see the city we have a beautiful city something to be proud of so i'll go ahead and let end it at that and i'll go ahead and let everybody know where they can get a hold of us at Two Shots Podcast, you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Two Shots Podcast. It's all spelled out, T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S Podcast. And you can also check us out and our family of podcasters on the Two Shots Podcast Network. And that's available on the internet. You just need to type in twoshotssa.com. So for Brandon and Lou, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And as we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. We're out. Peace.